Welcome to this week's podcast of Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. Hey, I'm just going to jump right into the passage we're going to be in today in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to freestyle just a little bit, allow the Lord to kind of guide me. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be in verses 1 through 6. And let me share with you, as you know, this last year, one of the things that I was doing was memorizing the Sermon on the Mount. Some of you know I like to memorize scripture. It anchors me. It's just kind of a competitive thing, but it also gets in my heart and my mind, and it, it anchors me in troubling times. And this last year was a pretty troubling time. And here's what I found. I found my heart often this year being very judgmental. Now, not judgmental towards the world, but really towards my own tribe towards the way my tribe was engaging over this last year, towards the way that my tribe was representing Jesus, representing the gospel, I found that my heart at times was very judgmental. But here's the beauty. When you follow Jesus and pursue Jesus, you cannot sit in judgment on someone else for very long. Do you hear me on that? When you're, when you're walking with Jesus, you cannot sit in judgment on another human being for very long without hearing the voice of Jesus say, yeah, Jason, but what about you? I know you can see so clearly what's going on in the lives of others, but I'm more concerned about what's going on in your life. What about the impurity in your heart? What about the deception that's ruling your mind and your thoughts? See, Jesus is much more concerned about what's going on in our lives than he is about the clarity we have about the lives of others. And see, in Matthew chapter 7, that's what Jesus addresses when he says, do not judge lest you be judged. So let's jump into it, Matthew chapter 7, as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give the dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearl before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the word of the Lord. All thanks be to God. So if there was a mantra of our age, do not judge, I think might be it. And often we say that. I mean, I imagine you've heard somebody say that, hey, don't judge me. And usually what follows is something really stupid. I mean, I remember walking in on a a college roommate eating a gallon of ice cream, and what would he say? Hey, listen, don't judge me. Or maybe there's a picture of you on social media, you're at a wedding, shorts, flip-flops, do not judge. That's the mantra of our day, isn't it? And many people who even don't know this passage comes from the New Testament know that phrase, hey, we're not supposed to judge, but what does that mean? When Jesus said, do not judge, does that mean we should not make moral decisions? Because as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is constantly making moral decisions. He says, hey, listen, look at your heart. If there is anger, if there is hatred, if there is lust, Jesus wants us to make a moral decision about what's 
what's ruling our minds and our emotions. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't do things for the praise of men. Do things for the glory of God. And so it's obvious that when Jesus says, do not judge, it cannot mean that we should not make moral decisions. Because see, to judge means to evaluate. It means to make a decision. So when Jesus says, do not judge lest you be judged, what is he, what is he saying? I think what he's telling us is we are never in a position to condemn another human being. Regardless of what they have done, we do not know, hear me on this, what that person deserves. Now, we think we know, and I, I know sometimes we feel like we know, don't we? I mean, let's get honest. Sometimes within us, we know exactly what you deserve. But when Jesus is using the word judge, what he's referring to is not making moral decisions. It's not so much about what is right or what is wrong, but it's when you see somebody doing something that's incongruent with what you believe or what you value, you do not have a right to diminish the value of that human being. You do not have a right to condemn or to assume that you know what that person deserves. And see, he goes on in verse two. And he says, for with the judgment you pronounce." You will also be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do you apply the same standard to others that you apply to yourself? And all of you say, well, of course I do. That's the kind of person I am. That when I judge someone, I, I, treat my, I judge myself the same way that I evaluate others. And this is a common thing that Jesus says throughout the New Testament. You may remember the, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or in the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful. Why? For they will be shown mercy. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that when, when you forgive, if you've been forgiven, you should justly forgive. That what we have received, we should also give to others. The sign that we truly know God, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, is that we will give to others what God has generously given to us. And when it comes to the way that we evaluate others, do we evaluate others the same way we want others to evaluate us? Or do we sit in judgment over others as if we are the lawgiver and judge? You see, what Jesus is telling us is that we have no right to condemn another human being, that we don't know their story. And the reality is we don't know what they deserve. Now, how do we work this out? Because I think we live in a culture of judgment. I mean, we definitely live in a culture of outrage where the louder your outrage, the more passionate, the more virtuous you really are. And so how do we actually live this and practice this out? Well, that's where verses three through five come in. Jesus gives us this remarkable image, this parable, this story, this illustration of what it means as we go out into the world. How should we approach others when we see them acting and doing things that we think is contrary to the will of God or to the betterment of others? How do we respond to that? Watch this. Let's jump back down into verse 3. And he tells us this story. When you see the speck that is in your brother's eye... Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? And here's the word, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will 
see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I have to tell you, this is brilliant. Do you see Jesus as a brilliant teacher? This is insightful. You know, there was a survey that was done a number of years ago. I think it was actually about 10 years ago by the Barna Research Group, and they were actually speaking to non-Christians and saying, hey, what's your opinion of the, of the church? You may know this, but it wasn't very flattering. And he said, hey, I want you to give the top three responses, top three words that come to mind when you think of Christians. You know those top three words? I'm hearing some of them being whispered. Judgmental, hypocritical. Did you read the same study? And actually, the last one was anti-gay. Now, this was 10 years ago. Now, now, let me say on the one hand, we're going to be maligned. Jesus said, as they persecuted me, so they'll persecute you. We believe things that are incongruent, that are out of step with the values of our culture. And that's just reality. But I don't think that people view us that way because we're so humbly walking out into the world representing Jesus in such a loving and compassionate way. I think we're allowing the judgment that the world walks into to be a lane that we walk into ourselves. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that our world is a world of judgment. It's a world of condemnation. It's a world that assumes I know what you deserve. Jesus says that's not the way of my kingdom. And so he uses this story of someone with a speck in his eye. Now, in the first century, in a very arid and dry culture, and cu uh, um, not culture, but you know what I mean. That's it. Climate. Having a speck in your eye was pretty common. Now, the challenge is how do you get that speck out? Now, today, we would go to a mirror. We would take some water. We'd allow that whatever's in our eye to get washed out. But see, back then, they didn't have mirrors. I mean, you had to be pretty wealthy to have a mirror. And so what you needed was help. Because you're out in the field and you say, hey, you know, I got a speck in my eye. I need some help, which means that your brother's now going to come towards your eye. I don't know about you. I don't want anything coming towards my eye. I hated going to the eye doctor and getting that little, you know that test? Do they still do that? It is torture. I remember one time my wife was sitting next to me and it was as if I was like a two-year-old. And it was like five, six, seven times just to get that little puff of air. In my eye, because I, I cannot stand anything coming near my eye. And so the question is, if you've got something in your eye, how do you want somebody to approach you? You want those big fat hands? Chisel? Hammer? No, when somebody comes near you, you want them to come with a degree of sensitivity. Recognizing the damage that they could cause. And see, that speck, what Jesus is saying, that speck is some moral flaw in us. And when you have a speck in your eye, what does it look like as you look out into the world? Doesn't it look like a log? Blocks your vision. And so when somebody has something in their life and you see it, you recognize it, and you morally evaluate it, hey, that's not right. Jesus is saying, I want you to approach them in a manner that would reflect how you want somebody to approach you. Now, here's the challenge. As you see somebody with a speck in your eye, here's what Jesus wants you to assume. I've got a log in my eye. Now, here's the challenge of that narrative. You don't see well. 
If you've got a log in your eye, let me ask you the question, how did you see the speck? I mean, if there's something blocking your vision, how can you clearly see what that person has done? The reality is Jesus is saying, I want you to start off by assuming you can't. That when you go and address someone else, I want you to start with the base assumption that you don't see that person rightly. Wouldn't that have saved you from a lot of trouble? I know what you did. I know why you did it. And I know what you deserve. Have you been treated that way? And the reality is we always have a backstory. We always have a way to kind of spin what really took place. And, and so, so often we don't even know the motives of our own hearts. But Jesus is telling us when you approach somebody, you have to recognize that fundamentally we don't see clearly. And then second, the log in your eye means that the, Jesus knows that there's something that probably has to change in you before you really can address the change in someone else. That we should start from the assumption, hey, listen, as I come towards you, my brother, my sister, and I recognize there's something wrong in your life, something that needs to change, I know in my life God has to do a lot more work in me than he needs to do in you. And that's the posture that I'm coming towards you. Do you see that? That you're approaching that person with a sense of humility, a reality that my life is broken. And I am in need of the grace of God. See, but here's what we tend to do. We think we know what somebody deserves, and we think that Jesus is on our side viewing that person the exact same way that we do. I mean, come on now. You're not that different from me. And we assume we understand that person's motives. And the reality is that's not the kingdom of God. That's just the kingdom of men. And church, we have, to, we have to live differently because we worship a God who has rescued us through enemy love. Do you realize what has made us moral is that Jesus has taken our brokenness, our burden, our punishment upon himself. And he who was right, he was the one who could truly see, couldn't he? I mean, how often did Jesus have a conversation with somebody and he could see something else? Nobody else could. And yet, did he use those conversations to condemn? When you think about the people Jesus had the hardest time with, were they the liberals? Were they the sexually immoral? Who were they? The ones that assumed they understood what everyone else deserves. How often does that describe us? Now, he's not saying we shouldn't make moral distinctions. He's not telling us that we shouldn't know the difference between right and wrong. He's not saying that we shouldn't speak up for truth. Everything in the Sermon on the Mount is about the heart from which that truth comes. Is your heart resonating with the heart of God? And after the music we just heard, how could it not be? Where is your heart? Now, as we jump down to verse 6, things began to transition because see, in verse 6, you realize that Jesus is making a moral judgment. And he's describing how we need to approach others as he applies this to us. Watch this in verse 6. And he says, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearl before pigs. Did he just call someone a dog? Yes, he did. Did he call someone a pig? Is that a moral judgment? Yes, it is. But notice what he goes on to say lest they trample them underfoot and attack you. 
what he's telling us is you have to be wise when you approach others. If somebody bites your head off, it could be your fault. Now, why? You gave them something they could not appreciate. I mean, what does a pig appreciate? What does a dog appreciate? Food. Give me something that satisfies me. And when you present pearls to a dog, the dog's liable to take your hand off because it wants something more. And see, that pearl, it represents truth. It may even represent the gospel. And what he's saying is we should so examine ourselves and our own lives, recognizing I've got a log in my own eye. I need to change, but I also need to ask the Lord, give me wisdom as to how I approach this person. Do you understand now why James said be quick to slow to speak, slow to become angry? What he's telling us is he's walking us through a process. And, and here's what I've discovered. This is just my own story. When I do this, I often find that I don't need to address the speck. Because God has shown me enough about myself and enough about what I see. He's like, Jason, I don't know that you see clearly. And sometimes he's telling me, I don't think you're the one that needs to say something. Because in that person's life, it's not going to bring about the change that I desire. You see what he's doing? See, in this world, we think we can see the brokenness in others. We think we can see the faults in others. And we do this so well. It's, it's like uptightness is uprightness today. The more uptight you are, the more righteous and upright you are. And Jesus is saying, that's not my kingdom. That's not my kingdom. I did not give you what you deserve. But this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus stood in the place of our condemnation so that we could receive his identity. And listen, if that's your story, if that's what you worship, if that's your good news, why are we not bringing that good news to others? When it comes to how we engage, to what we say, do we evaluate our own tribe as much as we evaluate the tribes of others? Or do we just sit in an echo chamber that just tells me, Jason, you're right to condemn them? Hey, that may be the way of the world, but it's not the way of the kingdom. The kingdom of God says, you know what? We should be evaluating ourselves much more severely than evaluating others. Let judgment begin with the family of God. What right do I have to judge those who don't bow their knee to my God? Because what's going to change the world? By this, all men will know that you're my disciples by how well you criticize others. But by how well you love one another. Jesus wants us to make moral distinctions. He wants us to have courage with truth. But he's more concerned from the heart out of which that truth comes and how we move out to the world. Church, I don't know where you are on this. I know I fail. I fail. I see people as a caricature. I see the sin that they have committed against me, and I see them as one-dimensional. And yet, thank God, God did not see us as one-dimensional, 
but rather he saw the value in us that God had placed there and he was willing to surrender his life for us. And so if, if that's something you struggle with, would you be willing just to surrender that to the Lord? Would you be willing, first of all, to recognize that Jesus hasn't given you what you deserve? And maybe you've never received that. Maybe you've never said, Father, accept me on the basis of Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm not coming with any, anything in my hand. There's nothing that I bring. Rather, I, by the free gift of grace, I want to receive Jesus into my life, knowing you as my Father and Jesus as my Savior and Lord. That you're accepted based on what Jesus has done. Have you opened your heart to that reality? And then second church, are we willing to, to take Jesus seriously? What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, that, that's it. It means that we are a people that should be evaluating ourselves. We should be asking, how are we misrepresenting the gospel? How are we misrepresenting God? How are we bringing brokenness into a world that needs healing? And then how are we walking by the ways of the world instead of the ways of the kingdom? We need this. But are we willing just to sit in it and allow God to bring the healing he desires? Father, I want to ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you that, Father, I thank you, first of all, we don't see ourselves well. We don't recognize what's, what's blocking our vision. We often move out into the world, Father, thinking that we understand and we see and we put the people around us that say exactly what we believe so that we don't have to question ourselves at all. But thank you, Father, you have not left us alone. You've given us the Holy Spirit and the Spirit convicts us of the truth. It reminds us of what is good and right and true. And Lord, you do that not to crush us or to condemn us, but to bring life because you know that judgment and that condemnation, it doesn't bring life to the world. That even on the cross, Jesus, you cried out, Lord, forgive them because they, they don't know what they're doing. And yet, Father, we so often condemn others saying, we know exactly, they know exactly what they're doing. Forgive us. And Father, may your mercy and may your grace, may it begin to stir in us a deeper desire for holiness, a longing to be purified, a longing, Father, not just to see the world rightly, but to see you rightly. And Father, in that, to find the healing and the restoration that allows us to be an, an agent of healing and truth in this world. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you, Father, that you do not want to leave us unchanged. We love you in Jesus' name.